0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second episode of Catch Up. I'm Jordan Swami. I'm James Rathbone. And yes, we just want to thank you guys for the oh my god, the, it's
1: been so amazing. The
0: outpouring, the effusive outpouring <sighs> in response to our first episode, which is at number three on the spot. I'm sorry, on the Apple Music podcast list. It's incredible. The we, iTunes chart. We jumped. We jumped NPR. We beat Alan Cross. Yeah. Damn. So, the history of old music. (laughs) Oh man, shots (laughs) fire! Yeah, (laughs) Alan Cross, don't send the shooters at us, please. (laughs) Um, but we're really excited, and yeah, so please just keep spreading the word, keep letting us know how you feel about it. It's
1: Uh, honestly, every single positive comment I receive, it just makes my day. It's so so nice to hear the response. Like, it's very touching. Yeah, seriously, really, 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 really appreciate it. So, thank you guys.
0: Yes. And with that said, let's just get right into it. tonight. Today we're going to talk about a few different things. We're going to talk about uh, Drake and Little Baby. Drake and Little Baby. We're going to talk about Playboy Cardi. Playboy Cardi, the legacy of Chief Keith. Legacy of Chief Keith. And we're going to talk about Cardi B, Azealia Banks, and that Breakfast Club interview that yeah. recently went
1: down. All that unfortunate mess.
0: Yes. All right, let's get into it. Uh, let's talk about the new Little Baby single, "Yes Indeed," which features Drake. Uh, premiered on Saturday on OVO Sound Radio, and then was a fee- released officially on Tuesday night. Um, personally, it's one of my favorite songs of the year, like bar none. It's just two of the top rappers in the game, for my money, just going back to back, bar for bar, essentially. And uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Little Baby, he is a 22-year-old rapper from Atlanta, who is signed to the Quality Control label that has Migos and Little Yachty. And he started rapping in like after he got out of jail on a drug charge last year, and released four excellent mixtapes. And he's known for having a, a kind of melodic, sing-song, uh, trap ballad kind of style. And for a really great economy of words, like he's able to paint a very vivid picture in a simple sentence. Mm. And yeah, I'm a huge fan of his. And and I think that a lot of people in the industry are starting to notice uh, in a GQ cover story of Diddy earlier this year, he mentioned little baby as one of the people that he sees as like pushing the culture forward and being one of the top, the top stars he's creating like right like most now. talented,
1: like along with like Kendrick, Drake, uh, you know, all of that, all that, like tier A of uh, rap right now.
0: Mm-hmm. And Diddy put his name in there. And recently I was reading uh, Hits Daily Double, which is kind of a music industry trade publication. And they were talking about the upcoming new stars and he was on the list. So there's a lot of eyes on- and ears on him right now. And it makes sense that Drake would want to partner with him. And like, I really think the end result is, two of- is both of them kind of at their best.
1: Yeah, I think that... Little baby has this this kind of flow that I, um, it's sort of a, a subtle growth that's come out, uh, just in terms of a, a, a change in flow that I've noticed. It's sort of like a, a post Migos flow that it really. He's, so he, he sort of breakout song with this song called it was just called like Freestyle, and uh, it's, it, there's just it's like he's sort of rapping with an engine. It just kind of like goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and and. Uh, it, you, you, it's like the kind of flow that almost sort of carries you. It sort of reminds me of, uh, in, a, in a, a similar way to uh, Blockboy JB, who is the other sort of rapper that Drake has has southern helped put rapper. southern rapper from Memphis that Drake's helped like kind of put on this year. But whereas uh, Blockboy JB is this sort of like catchy, short little phrases, uh, little baby. Has this kind of like there's just this, this this feeling of being caught in a current and you're being pulled through the song by
0: it. Yeah, I mean it's really. I also like that his his vibe is like he's rapping about ver- very serious things with uh, a, a kind of detail that that makes you believe that that's no writerly excess, and it, he just sounds really subdued when he says it, which which I really I'm just it's a, it's a really I don't know it's a really captivating flow. I mean, his his album's coming out on May 18th, and I'm really, really looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, I think he's definitely just like one of these... It's like Al- Atlanta just seemingly has an infinite pool of these incredibly talented, stylistically ambitious rappers uh, mm-hmm. that just like... Uh, How long has this been going on for now that we it's like every year we're getting like a few new rappers from Atlanta that are changing things. They're completely
0: off the wall, dudes. like if you think about like I remember when when Future first came out, I remember people being like, you know, what, the autotune, I can't get with this autotune. And I was just like, honestly, there's something really special about this. And I think it just took people time. It was like same thing with Young Thug. Yeah, Migos right away. I was like, these guys are so punchy. They're so funny. Like the lyrics are yeah. really, it's like really sharp. And even you know, going back
1: to Gucci Mane, Gucci you know. of course.
0: And then if you think of the years of the the awful Records guys, there's like Future, I Love McConan uh, just a bunch of uh, you know another collection of just weirdos with off the wall flows and different yeah. ways of of attacking songs with sometimes the same subject matter, but just sounds like a completely new world.
1: Yeah. And it's nice also to just have Drake be able to go into that pocket that I think we both of us feel like is one of our favorite versions of Drake, which is the dra- the trap Drake, the, mm-hmm. the the if you're still reading this onward mm-hmm. Drake, mm-hmm. Um, you know it it's just, it just speaks to Drake's talent and versatility that he can go. Uh, still how you know what we're almost 10 years into Drake's like really mainstream career Mm -hmm. and he can go toe to toe with this like vital young new rapper you know people still want to hear this Mm -hmm. ultimately people kind of got sick of Drake for a
0: little bit it's felt like uh, I don't think I think 2016 like post views I think people were kind of a little lukewarm on Drake Mm -hmm. the album was over long and just I mean it had a lot of like inessential songs on it which is which I mean, I think a lot of times that Drake albums have come out, that has not always been the case. Mm. You know, people's favorite songs are all. You're not going to find people with a lot of the same. If, if you go album by album, people have different favorite Drake songs on each album. Yeah, Va- vastly. And it's and I think this was the first album that people are like, you know, there's like seven good songs and the rest, like, I could take or leave.
1: I, I'm I'm a, a a big Views advocate. Views is one of my favorite records of all time, but with a big caveat that I resequenced it. Took out the first song, the fa- family business or whatever it's called. Which Keep the what, family close. Is, ugh, one of the worst songs he's, he's <laughs> it's ever really made. Bad. Yeah, <laughs> so I I, deleted, I took that out. I took Hotline Bling out, and then I resequenced the rest of it. And uh, and that was sort of my song of my my one of my favorite albums of the year. That's yeah,
0: because you made it. That's not actually <laughs> the Drake album. I don't so. care. I'm over here enjoying <laughs> it. You know,
1: it's making my life better. And, you know, I think, you know, there's a sense that he, he, he rushed it out, I think, right? A lot of people felt like that. He kept giving these deadlines and um, uh, just sort of breaking them. And I, I think that, uh, I think there's like a lot of really wonderful stuff that he does on that record that he doesn't do as well any other time. Um, but all that to say is I, I think that there's a, a lot of different Drake's uh, that I, I was, was thinking about this recently because we, when we played "Nice for What" at Boozy Fade, we have this kind of thing at midnight at Boozy Fade where we play kind of the most popping song right at midnight after kind of get, doing a little bit of an intro.
0: Say a little welcome. Uh, yeah, exactly. Say welcome to the world famous Boozy Fade.
1: Yeah, so oftentimes that song is a Drake song, the most recent Drake song, or maybe like this, I can remember it being Amigos song. Or Cardi B song. Cardi B song. Maybe like Mask Off when it was popular Mm -hmm, would have been that mm -hmm. kind of song. Um, But I remember when Nice For What, we played Nice For What uh, pretty soon after it it came out and and the video and everything. And uh, people went nuts in a way that they rarely have. Like, I think that was sort of peak level going nuts uh, for kind of breaking a song like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it made me think about one of Drake's most underrated values is his versatility. There's all of these different Drakes. People have this, like, cliche because of Marvin's Room that Drake is this, like, sad sack, you know. Oh, Drake's tears. Like, he's so soft, which is, like... Uh, I, it's like at this point it's a it's a, I think a really overplayed cliche mm-hmm. like I mean like there's Drake soft maybe there's still some life left in that joke I don't know I still think I'm over I'm over it, I'm over it. You, but yeah
0: I think that some people get so much out of it that it's yeah. like they're never going to let go of it
1: yeah it's it's weak to me but uh you know so okay so there's Marvin's room there's like R&B kind of like complaining about relationships Drake there's R&B romantic Drake There's trap Drake. There's like Drake's got bars freestyle in
0: six a.m. in Toronto diplomatic immunity take,
1: Uh, and you know there's my I think like a couple of my favorite Drakes are the trap Drake of this song, and what I think is his probably maybe not I think it's under unacknowledged if not underrated is that he makes the best songs for the sort of sound of success. Like, the feel it, like, I don't mm-hmm. think actually any other rapper has consistently been ma- able to make these kind of, like, anthems that make you feel like you're on top of the world or that you want to hear when you're on top of the world, mm-hmm. um, like trophies, mm-hmm. headlines, mm-hmm. even started from a, the bottom, which, you know, if it's like he would That's never right. have gotten away with that if it wasn't so successful at giving you that feeling of, like, now I'm here.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a really, there's a really cathartic feel to those songs that when you hear them, like... Um, I don't know. I really, I mean, there's been times that Drake has been accused of being like a carpetbagger, like somebody who, um, who goes to different cities or communities that have a certain flavor. And then he, uh, carpetbagger or a swag Dracula. um, (laughs) And he like sucks out all that is good in them and just kind of like discards it and moves on to the next like fresh crop of new blood. But I mean, I think that in some cases that criticism may be a little fair, especially if you're not bringing along the artists, any of the artists from that place. But I think when, when he's doing I stuff like this, I mean, like yeah. speak yeah. on it. Speak I don't,
1: on it. I, I, okay. Here's my thing about that. It's like, I feel like Drake came up in the 2000s, which was this uh, it was sort of this post-authenticity time period where there was a sense, it was sort of like, I think of it as like the the almost like pitchfork or something like that. There was, like, this time where people born in, like, the late 80s started listening to music from, like, all kinds of different genres. Prior to that, it was like, you're into hip-hop, you're into rock, all this kind of thing. But when he when he was sort of coming up, when he was coming of age, I think that he legitimately had a love of music across genres and it, and it's been there since so far gone, you know, and Mm -hmm. so far gone, there's sort of a, there's a bit of like indie stuff. There's this like deep South stuff. A lot of Houston stuff. Yeah. Which, you know, I think that his, his love of it is earnest and legitimate. I don't think he's picking on trends cynically. I think that like, I think, you know, for example, his like love of, of London, it's like he got, you know, boy, better no tattooed on him. Mm-hmm. I think it feels like all those guys love him, mm-hmm. you know, gigs and Skepta and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave. I, I, I don't know. I mean, people, It's it's. it just seems like a, yeah, exactly, Dave. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that it reflects kind of how we listen to music these days in that, we're not just regionally based. We're not just, you know, once upon a time, if you wanted to hear deep South rap or say New Orleans bounce, which like now it's nice for what, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sort of alludes to, or, or is in the vein of, you had to basically smuggle a CD out of a record store in New Orleans. Like that was like 20 years ago. That was the only way you could hear that music. Mm -hmm. Now, People, you can go on YouTube and you can hear any kind of music that's out there, and I feel like that—that's what Drake reflects, and and he does, and and you can argue that he what he's doing is inauthentic or that he's uh, sort of parasitic, but I think that it comes from a genuine place of of understanding that music, wanting to be a part of that music, and it by and large often
0: seems to be a mutual thing. Yeah, wanting to propel the music. Like if if you look at like a lot of the rappers, who. Drake has kind of shouted out or worked with in the last few years and what's happened to the career afterwards if you think of like if Dave for instance a UK rapper um, like he's he was able to tour and sell out here mm-hmm. almost solely because Drake kind of gave him that look when he did the wanna know remix last, uh, last year yeah and if you look at Blockboy JB who went from being kind of a burgeoning like rapper on the underground yeah. to releasing like a really star-studded mixtape, and not to mention getting features with like ASAP, Ro- like being featured on ASAP Rocky's song, like, yeah. you know, having opportunities that he would have definitely not otherwise have gotten. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I'm hoping the same thing happens to Little Baby right now. Just like a lot, like, I mean.
1: Definitely is going to, I think.
0: Uh, I was looking at DJ Academic's Instagram page because I'm a masochist.
1: <laughs> and.
0: <laughs> he was saying, he was like, he's like, you know, whenever Drake is featured on a song, he usually just like dominates the song. It's like Drake featuring Drake. He's like, I think this, this mm-hmm. might be the first time in recent memory that Drake was outshone, outshone on a song by another rapper. And he was talking about Little Baby. Wow. And I feel like if that's the kind of conversation people are having about this song, mm-hmm. like, it couldn't have been a better a, a better marriage in terms of collaboration.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I, I th-
0: Actually, I remember Earl Sweatshirt called him out. Yes, he did. This is when Drake uh, was playing. This is like at the early, early stages of Kodak Black uh, kind of emerging. Drake ha- posted a video on Instagram of himself uh, in a private plane, I think drinking a, gl- a glass of champagne and kind of <laughs> like very like wavily dancing to uh, Kodak Black's song Skirt.
1: Yeah, and it, it was kind of like uh, enough is enough, and I think he 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 had at that time sort of aligned himself with a lot of rappers in the in the previous months. Mm-hmm. And then um, Earl
0: Sweatshirt tweeted like yeah. when Drake touches essentially something when Drake touches something, it's kind of like it's over. Like, yeah, it's not it's not cool anymore. Yeah,
1: which I mean it, it's sort of like a funny gag, but I and I, I I do understand that if you were say like a day one fan of one of these people it might feel like oh he's coming and now it's good um, but I think like on balance he is just kind of providing opportunities It's probably how he sees it I, it might be a little bit different if you were actually signed to OVO which is a little bit more a complicated mm-hmm. matter I think mm-hmm. but at least in the case of someone like Little Baby I think it's like showing that you know Drake can still be relevant to with like the, mo- the hottest sort of up and coming rappers and allowing them to you know, break out in, in some sense to an audience that didn't, they didn't have before. So up next, uh, we're going to talk about one of my favorite rappers uh, right now. He might make it into the, the all-time pantheon for me, uh, who is uh, Playboy Cardi. Uh, so Playboy Cardi is uh, also from Atlanta, Surprise, surprise. Uh, He came out with a song, or or sort of broke out with a song called Broke Boy. And that was 2015? It feels like 15. Yeah, 2015 maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was kind of this uh, latter-day cloud rap Mm
0: -hmm.
1: sort of song. Uh, And and he he was loosely affiliated with ASAP.
0: Well, I think he's... More officially affiliated with ASAP now. No, because yeah. At the time, at he was time loosely, affiliated loosely affiliated. With, with awful Records.
1: Yeah, and with yeah with Awful Records, and he would kind of hang out with the ASAP and mobs still does. and still does. Yeah, uh, but at the time, it was sort of like figuring out who this guy was, uh, and he, that. So uh, anyway, fast forward two years later. He's had this one song in two thousand. This is so of last year, two thousand seventeen. He's had this one song, "Broke Boy," and a, and a scattering of other songs that don't aren't really a big deal. Maybe a few features on ASAP Mob S- stuff. SoundCloud Lucy's. Yeah, just not not really doing much. He's and th-
0: in a lot of Instagram photos,
1: exactly. And he's he's really well dressed, and you know, just yeah. like a really like cool looking dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so last year he released his like debut mixtape on the same day that Kendrick dropped "Damn." And I, I remember being like flabbergasted that there's this rapper who had had this like sort of breakout single, but it wasn't it wasn't anything huge, in 2015. Not really getting much from him for two years, and then he releases his <laughs> debut mixtape on the same day as Kendrick. I was like like who thought this was a good idea this is so like what kind of strategy is this you know like it's like oh i like to do things in the dark you know it doesn't it didn't make any sense to me but then it end the the album ended up growing on me uh in a way that i think i might have listened to it more than any other record last year it was probably my album of the year 2017 mm. his self-titled record it sort of it's 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 only got it's got 3 features Two of them a little Uzi and one ASAP Rocky. Otherwise, it's pretty short. All like original beats. It had an amazing breakout signal, single, "Magnolia," mm-hmm. which uh, got, brought back the Millie Rock. Yes. And uh, if you don't know the Millie Rock, it's a it's a type of dance. Type of dance. You can
0: do it on any block. It's it's a. It's a <laughs> Song by a rapper named 2 Millie, a one hit wonder, unfortunately. Yeah. And the whole song is like, I'll Millie rock on any block, which means he'll do his dance in any neighborhood yeah. in New York City.
1: Exactly. Yeah. that's a, and, and it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty fun dance. Go YouTube it if you it's haven't It's Super haven't, fun. Haven't, uh,
0: if you can't do it, um, you should try because I feel like it's honestly, it's all. It's all like extreme confidence and what's going on with your face. Yeah. If you're smiling and you're just like going back and forth, it works no yeah. matter what it looks like.
1: It's one of the, it's not like a, a super technical thing that you're going to have to work your like hips, legs, and arms at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's not like, that. You could, it's actually a dance you could do sitting down, <laughs> 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 which is like, it's like a special category of dance, you know? <laughs> uh, you could kind of like, you could be in the background, like if you're disinterested and still Millie really rocking, which is uh, special to mm-hmm. me. Uh so yeah it, that so that record was kind of it was like I listened to, I was still I was living in New York about a year ago and um it kind of, so it came out in I think eight, eight, was it April 7th I think that damn came out last year it was somewhere around then and it it was just like kind of as spring was happening in New York and it has all these these uh kind of cloud rap beats and it just it just captured the mood to me and I'd see like school kids like Singing the hook to Magnolia, and it 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 just was like, I don't know, it really captured a time and place for me. So I was really excited for his new
0: record, Die Lit, which I think is a an all time great album. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's, like it's just amazing. I feel like you want to talk about something that's really evocative of the moment. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that's really I think really excellent, and yeah. it has this kind of like punk. Looking cover of a dude doing a somersault into a crowd. Yeah, which I'm just super into the aesthetic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, it's, okay. So I was a little skeptical when I saw the the track listing because it's got like way more features, bigger names. It's long, like the I think the original record, like the the one that came out last year, the mixtape was 15 songs. 15 songs, and this one 19. 19, and that that to me that's like kind of that key jump you know when you're around going for like 15 is like the max i kind of want uh-huh. and 20 is like now nah, i'm kind of getting too much but listening to it i'm like no i want all of this
0: yeah it's like a tone poem in a lot of the songs you know <laughs> yeah like it's like he it is it's definitely like i mean post cloud rap you yeah know? there's like and if you want to talk about like you know last week we were talking about i was talking about how when people use the term mumble rap, I, I kind of like bristle, and it's a slur. But Playboy Cardi actually is mumble rap. <laughs> this yeah. Motherfucker is mumbling for sure, and he has he has a, an amazing line. Uh, and I think the song R.I.P. where he goes, "Bama Mama House off this mumbling shit." Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. Chef's kiss. It's like like yeah, like
1: him owning owning mumble. It's like he's re- reappropriating uh, the term, he's taking the power back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know that so there I at first also my feeling about Playboy Cardi was that so there's this song by Chief Keefe called Sitco, uh, which so if you don't know who Chief Keefe is, Chief Keefe was uh sixteen year old. A sixteen year old Chicago rapper who uh was living a very real life. He was on house arrest in his grandma's house mm-hmm. and he blew up in 2012, oh, yeah. um, off, off kind of like the first rapper to really blow up off YouTube, mm-hmm. he he just had that he had essentially there was that he'd there was sound was already existed of what's called drill rap, but Chief Keef like kind of took this sound and ran with it, and mo- many of the current rappers sound
0: so indebted to him like Post Malone's entire career is essentially owed to the song Sitko. yeah and a lot of other rappers there's you can go down the list there's Travis Scott Rave Shremard absolutely Little Uzi Vert the amount of people that are influenced by Chief Keef if we want to talk about like uh, and I don't want to continue to propagate this term but if you want to talk about mumble rap as a way of like if you want to like if we need a better catch all term for this but if you want to talk about what a lot of this current generation melodic 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 sing song like trap y kind of thing is like a lot of it is Directly tied to Chief Keef, yeah. Not to mention like a litany of slang words yes. and just like a you know a kind of, almost like a whole a whole ethos. Exactly. I mean, he, like Chief Keef single-handedly changed the way that music videos look to us. There's an article on Noisy yeah. about this last year, but just like changing the aesthetic from kind of the flashier videos to just like, yeah, it's just a bunch of dudes with their shirts off <laughs> in someone's rented condo. Yeah,
1: with maybe some guns, was maybe pro- some drugs. Some guns,
0: there's marijuana around. Yeah, yeah. Um, they seem to be having fun, but they're all scowling. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, and it was sort of like almost... Uh, there were these videos before that uh, getting slightly off topic of Playboy Cardi, but we're, there were these videos before that of that were on these like sort of street DVDs where someone would go uh, on like smack DVD and meet a rapper and they'd rap in front of their car they they rap in their house or they rap in a, a store or something like that and uh, it kind of it almost like took that aesthetic and formalized it a little bit and now made it like almost the uh unless, unless you it's like you're Drake and you're bringing out a million dollar budget or something like that. It's sort of become the standard of, of rap music videos. But anyway, getting back to, to Sicko, Sicko was this kind of one-off song that Chief Keef did that was like really light and airy uh, that it, it's because a lot of his music was really hard, really aggressive mm-hmm. stuff. And Sicko had this really light kind of just uh, airy feel to it. Uh, and it, it like... If you listen, if you play that song right now to someone who never heard it, they'd be like, "Wow, who is this? This is like who's this amazing new artist?" Mm-hmm. Because it is, it has influenced so much music. And I thought that Playboy Cardi, all of his stuff just sounded like Sicko. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that's great because Sickos were like one of my favorite songs ever. And it was like someone had found a palette to work on that had been kind of neglected. It's like Chief Keef could have had. As we've seen, like there's all of these other artists, Chief Keefe could have basically had a uh, an entire career, more successful career than the one he did, if he just kind of ma- remade Sitko over and over and over.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, see, I think Chief Keefe is also a victim of timing. Mm-hmm. And, He's a little ahead of his time. You know, a little ahead of his time in terms of like the way streaming is counted towards record sales. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, because if Chief Keef came out now, like he would be signed to a major label, his songs would be huge commercial yeah. hits. They'd be he'd have Hot 100, top ten singles almost constantly, certainly. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but it's interesting to see because you see a lot of rappers now who who want to pay homage to him, and yeah. you know, it's, whether it's Ray Shremmerd who have worked with him, I think, on the Mike Will album. Yep. Uh Chief Keefe has a feature uh, on this on the Playboy Cardi album. Yeah. I mean a lot of it, Mac Miller, like the, the people that have have been reaching out to to A, a- Boogie who've been who've been reaching out to Chief Keefe and like working with him kind of I think it says a lot about what what fig like what the role is that he plays in contemporary music and yeah. just of his influence in general. Yeah
1: he he is easily uh, up there with like Young Thug and Future for being the most like Sonically influential rappers of this decade, in my um,
0: opinion. Yeah, I think that's um, there's no doubt.
1: Yeah, so just like a little bit about the album itself, and and she, and sort of Playboy Cardi's rapping style, it's it's like a, a really like an exercise in in minimalism to me because it's 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 kind of just using his voice instead of like rapping uh, like I've got Hot 16 where I've got like. All of these like bars that uh, and punchlines, it's almost like uh, he's just ad-libbing over the track. So ad-libbing, if you're if you're sort of unfamiliar with that part of rap, that's like when someone says like they say their their rap and then they say a word after it. They punctuate it, it. They it. Punctuate it with a, with a rap. So it's like uh, you know, Migos is like Mama or that way or those kind of things.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, this also might be like a bit, a bit of a Chief Keef thing. I think that they, I think for a long time, they were kind of looked at as like an extra, just an extra, like an extra thing to mm-hmm. the song. But now they're like a lot of times integral parts of the song where like, I think that's what Carti does really well on this on this album is that he kind of creates a world through the ad libs. Yeah. So you're listening to uh, what, like you're listening to the verses but you're like, but at some point, it's almost like they're indistinguishable of like, what's a part of the verse and what's the backing vocal? Yeah. And they're like almost like used on the same level. Mm-hmm. And it kind of creates this, you know, a cacophony of sound that's kinda, kind of a, a bit of a head fuck, like yeah. a mind fuck. I said that word wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but... um yeah. I don't know. It's it's, it's, it's very really atmospheric. Mer- very atmospheric, very captivating. And I think also in addition to like having the kind of production that he has, which is this very like dreamy kind oh, of soundscape. It's,
1: I think it's like he has the best ear for beats of any rapper working right now. Like, out like for my tastes, mm-hmm. like, um, that, and, and I often say that the most important thing for a rapper is his beat selection or her beat selection. Uh, so like, with with this record, and it, and it, the, just the the aesthetic of the beats, it just it's like a sort of a journey into a place of rap music where it's almost like it's it's almost like going back to the earliest form of rap music, uh, this sort of like post disco dance kind of infused stuff, and then fast forwarding that to two thousand eighteen and making it this, this this sort of music that's based on repetition based on these sort of atmospherics as we mentioned uh that it just it it it, it kind of just feels like it's not just music for the dance floor because a lot of the of what i think with is good about dance floor rap is like the singing along stuff mm-hmm. again if there's like maybe a dance for it more so like this just kind of feeling that you're you're being carried along which i i get in in like house music and techno and stuff like that that I feel like Playboy Cardi's music has that quality.
0: All right, so we want to talk a bit about uh, in a recent Azealia Banks interview on The Breakfast Club. It was her first time there. And she, the interview got, kind of got mm. derailed and she started talking deeply about Cardi B, which kicked off a whole social media mailstorm. Mm. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about both of their careers and how we, got, how we were led to this point. So uh, some of you may remember Azealia Banks burst onto the scene in April of 2012 with the release of 212, which was a really stunning virtuoso performance that incorporates rapping, singing. It's kind of like
1: shouting a little bit almost. Shouting.
0: It's in a really like... Profane, but also sweet. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a... And it's kind of
1: it's like a kind of a queer... A little bit of a queer anthem as well. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, just a, a huge song that essentially instantly made her a, so- a star. Yeah. I think within a week, she was performing at, like, Paris... Fa- like, New York Fashion yeah, Week. Yeah, blew up super fast. And just created a, a huge amount of, like, of internet attention and just diehard fandom almost immediately.
1: So I have kind of funny thing with her where... Uh, so I was uh just a long-term I'm a long-time fan of the Fader magazine. I uh I interned there uh, in 2011. Jordan's written for them and uh I you know they still do really great things, but once upon a time they were one of the best ways to find out about new music. Just they were so so up on things. Now it's like kind of the internet has caught up with them a little bit. Mm-hmm. But anyway, in, in 2008, I think, or maybe 2009, she had her first songs debut on the fader, uh, and they were they were kind of like these like kind of almost like kid sistery like bouncy like late two thousands rap. Uh, I remember I would I would kind of play them when I DJ and no one no one knew what they were or really like responded to them particularly well. And I was like, man, this girl seems super talented. She was—I knew that she was like seventeen and in high school. And I was like, you know, I—it's—I sh- kind of remember thinking like it's a shame that she's not becoming more successful. And then in two thousand eleven, I remember being—I uh, was Facebook friends with ASAP Rocky, which is like a, another story into of itself. But uh, she, I remember her commenting on his stuff, kind of like basically like roasting him a little bit, which I thought was like really funny. And I was like, oh, I remember her. Like I used to kind of like her music. And then like f- a few months later, ASAP Rocky blows up huge and then not, not so long after, Zellia Banks blows up after, so mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Wow, that's really crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you, gotta, you haven't even told me that story, so I do want to hear the ASAP Rocky story. Um, I think 212, for, uh, just to correct myself, was, originally came out in 2011. Um, nevertheless, the song made her a star. It had a slow
1: build. is why, like two thousand, it was a big song in two thousand twelve than it was in two thousand eleven.
0: Because mm-hmm, I think the video came out in twenty twelve.
1: Yeah, and which was huge. It was black and black and white. Black and, and white,
0: like, a shot in Montreal, yeah. features the producer Jock Green in it as well. And yeah. just, I, I, still remember exactly where I was when I, when I first saw it. Like I was at my house, I was in university, uh, finishing my final year at, the, at Western University of Western Ontario, and my friend Evan posted it on Facebook. And I remember thinking, like, I, I just had never seen anything like this. Just mm-hmm. somebody who had that, like, just the, you know, just the contradiction the contradictions of it, of, of being like super profane, but also being really sweet. Yeah. And like, re- like there's some moments where she's singing, where she's singing and it's, she seems so angelic. Mm-hmm. And then she's also like really aggressive. And it's yeah. just like the, the idea of having all of these different, this range in one person, I was, it just felt like superhuman. Yeah. And. She was signed to a, a, like Interscope Records, I believe, and kind of got caught up in this in this mess of of major label music making. Yeah, and she was fr- she got frustrated, and then slowly over time began to implode through various means of like lashing out at like big name people, the kind of people <laughs> that you don't think it's wise to cross early in your career, like Pharrell yeah. Williams, yeah. and like people of that nature. And then her her album was kind of you know trapped for a few years. And it was eventually finally released in 2014. Mm -hmm. And I mean, by that point, she'd kind of already burned a lot of bridges and a lot of people weren't really interested in checking for her music, myself included. Yeah, also myself. I I just was like, oh, Azealia Banks, she's that person that always flips out. Yeah. But uh, earlier this year, I went to, I was reviewing one of her shows for Now Magazine, uh, which is the uh, Toronto Alt Weekly. And so in preparation for, before reviewing her the, her show, I just, I went through kind of her catalog and I was listening to that album that came out in 2014, Broke with Expensive Taste, and it is remarkable. Yeah, like super she talented. is super talented. She's actually one of the most talented performers of this generation. I fully wholeheartedly believe that. And then going to her show, which is at the Opera House, which is like a, you know, probably capacity of about 900 to 1000 people. And it was completely sold out, and it was just a a, tr- a really spectacular performance. Just incredible rapping, incredible singing. She's a great dancer, and in that, and I, you know, I was kind of there, like ho- wondering, I'm like, I hope that like you know nothing goes awry. Mm-hmm. I hope that it's just like we just get to see the show, and it's like sweet. And that's what it was. It mm-hmm. was just a like, really sweet performance. She seemed genuinely touched at the way the fans were reacting to her. The people were freaking out. Yeah, and. I don't know. Being in that room, and this is like kind of what I said in the review. It's just like it's it's almost as if all of the other antics outside of the booth and outside of music never happened, and it felt like a really weird alternate universe, like where she was the belle of the ball and she was the superstar that she was always meant to be. Yeah. And it was in this room that's like a thousand people, like nine hundred to a thousand people, which is like not bad. But based on her actual skill level, yeah. And. What and just like what is so original about her? Not not to mention like you know mixing the deft mix of like hip hop and house mm-hmm. and just like making it sound so natural. Yeah, it's like you feel like she should be, she should be in the, in the top ten of the Billboard Hot one hundred like every week. Yeah. you know just based on her talent, but be, because of kind of like the toss the toxicity of her personality and yeah. her interviews and her her tweets and Instagram stories and just
1: if you I mean if you don't know about it, I mean it gets. Her she can be like really uh, appalling. I it's, mean, it,
0: there's been like racism, homophobia. Yeah, she was
1: she was the one of the first celebrities to come out for Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> you know, like she she just she is constantly saying things to upset you. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: um, and doing things. There's an incident on a flight where she like bit a flight attendant. You know, and. <laughs> Um, she called Zane Malik a, a P word like yeah. you know the, the 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 list of of Azealia Banks um attacks yeah, and just trans, kind of like transgressions, transgressions really are, is 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 long it's yeah. longer than her list of hit songs <laughs> yes unfortunately
1: yeah uh you know and it's like i mean i kind of just had this sense that this person was not well from the beginning not to like you know diagnose anybody but this didn't seem like the actions of like a healthy person and and Mm -hmm. i think that she has gone she's she's gone through a lot to Mm -hmm. get to where she she has been
0: on the record about uh taking medication for various ailments yeah
1: and you know she was she this year she recently uh release this whole thing about when she was sexually assaulted by one of her first like mentors in the, in the record industry that was really heartbreaking. So it's, it's kind of like, um, it's I've, I've always kind of given her a pretty long, you know, leash in terms of like how, you know, what she's doing as, as, as kind of, uh, as much as it's not great a lot of the time or has been not great at times. And like, and I think that like, there's a, uh, she she has this sort of vicious cycle of being like, I'm a victim and then, and like, why do you care about me saying all these things? Mm-hmm. And then like, with like kind of digging the hole
0: deeper. Yes, which she did in that Breakfast Club interview, oh, which we'll get to later. Yeah. But we want to contrast this yeah. by talking about uh, one of the breakout stars of this year and last year, a uh, rapper from New York named Cardi B. Uh, Who you're probably and, aware of. Hopefully. hopefully. And if you're not... Here's a little cliff notes version of the Cardi B story. She started gaining attention through these vines that she she, she was an exotic dancer and would make these kind of really humorous vibe uh, vine videos, just commenting on her surroundings or you know the weather or mm-hmm. you know any a litany of things yeah. that. Uh, Many of which, like, went viral. So even before I knew who she was, I'd seen videos of her. Mm -hmm. And through that, sort of amassed this social media following, which then led to a placement on Love and Hip Hop New York, which is a a show in the, uh, one of the most popular cable shows. One of Jordan's favorite shows. One of my favorite shows. I've seen uh, nearly every season of every version of the show. (laughs) And, um truly fascinating. She kind of came on the show, came onto the show in a way and kind of blew past it in a way that no one had before. Yeah, she it was, was more on,
1: like a retirement home for rappers and uh, like rap associated people before that where it's kind of like, okay, like I'm gonna have a storyline about
0: making my new single and that no oh, one's ever gonna no one's gonna hear. ever gonna hear and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And Cardi B kind of came on to it almost like shot out of a cannon. she she came on was instantly the most popular person on on her season of the show. And was just like all the things that people grew to love from her on Vine she was doing on the show she was hilarious she had great catchphrases uh, one of which turned into into a song called Forever um, <laughs> I'm not gonna butcher it by telling you like what her quote was but I'm just gonna say we'll put it in the show notes but this is an absolute must watch yeah um, and yeah so it just she and so after being on it for a year she her star was already rising she released uh, a mixtape. Like which I believe was called Gangsta Bitch Music Volume <laughs> she, One and Two. Yeah, and so those those kind of were like pop popping a little bit, started percolating a bit, and then I think around the time that she announced that she was not going to be on the, she's not going to do a third season of Love and Hip Hop, she was working on some new music, which eventually led to the release of Bodak Yellow. Yeah, which became which kind of became like a slow rising like explosion. Yeah. of a of a of a single and catapulted her to heights that i mean not not many women rappers have been to before. She in fact she scored number 1 on the Billboard Hot 100 and was the first woman rapper to do that in 19 years and the last being Lauren Hill. Yeah. So she was like essentially achieved otherworldly success off of this one hit and it led a lot of people to be saying, you know, a lot of people kind of chalked it up to being a fluke. She's like, you're like, oh, you know, it's a combination of social media and just like people like her personality. The song's not that good. There was like a lot of like weird hate. Like a lot of people seemed really invested. I, 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 I I was skeptical of her before Bodak Yellow as like her
1: sort of rap career. It seemed like you know, she was just kind of trying things,
0: which is what happens a lot of times when you when you see viral stars. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, like it's a, it's a familiar temp- template, exactly. Like the this kind year, of bad ba- bad babies, day.
1: bad baby, or like a honey cocaine type. Uh, you yeah. know, this sort of like, like and, and like you know, frankly, I just I, I mean, one thing that Jordan and I like I really feel, I think I can speak for both of us, is that we want more female rappers in general. We want. In like across subgenres of rap, we feel like the, the the record industry has like often not taken them seriously, not pushed them the way that they should, and so even with the sort of maybe some of the skepticism I had initially that that she this was not like something that she was really really serious about, I was like, you know, please, like I want this to work. Mm-hmm. And then when when this song comes, and not only is it like. Uh, just an amazing song. It all it, it is like a flip of a Kodak Black
0: mm-hmm. uh, flow, an, which an excellent she, Kodak Black song called No Flock.
1: Yeah. Which is like just shows like a little bit that she's not like a it's not like she's a tourist here. She mm-hmm. cares about what she's doing. She's she's aware of the the greater context that she's working in. Um, it's not like some, you know, like a young Berg is just like writing her verse and like everything is just like hap- hap- happening, you know, uh, like totally artificially. It's like she obviously cares about rap and th- that flow honestly like needed a second life mm-hmm. because it can't like what, Kodak, I don't think really used it again. No, he didn't. And it, that song was sort of his like underground like breakout song and it, 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 like, works so well mm-hmm. when Cardi brought it back.
0: Mm-hmm. And she kind of took it to a different, a, a new level. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And injected a new life into it. It yeah. was much more animated. Yeah. Whereas Codex was looking much more subdued. It's true. Um, and then, so, all this to say, a lot of people seemed very invested in Cardi B not succeeding, which is why when she released the second single yeah. for her debut album, Be Careful, it was a really... Well, Was it? Oh no, No, Bardi 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 "Barbie" That's right. So "Barbie" "Cardi" was the second single, which is another 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 like kind of immediate smash hit. Yes. And I think that was like once again, it's like I think with that, that people started being like, "Okay, okay, that's two. you know. And like everyone knows, sophomore slump. Like it's a hard thing to beat. Some some artists cannot cannot outlive their first, especially when your hit is like that massive. Yeah, you
1: could be designer, or you could be you know Cardi B.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And then when "Be Careful" came out, which was the third single, yeah. and it, it, and it, was it was like totally different, completely different, and it was pretty much like for me, I was like, okay, this is for real. Yes. Like this yeah, is like yeah. you know, you can alleviate most of the concerns because it was a, it was a, it was a, a more like ballady, yes. it's a little more singing, yeah, a little more personal, a lot more personal, played off of like something that was playing in the, playing out in the media, which is um, if you're not if you don't know, but this like Cardi B is engaged to the rapper from the Migos, Offset. And there were rumors uh, at some point that, uh, along with some Instagram videos and a lot of like shade room stuff and baller alert things where it, it, it according to to this stuff, it looked like maybe Offset had cheated on Cardi B. Mm-hmm. So this is all in the media and a lot of people were kind of going to her Instagram comments. Like, I mean, Cardi B, I really sometimes, I, I, I mean, I just feel for her because like her Instagram comments are such a mess. It's yeah. just like, You know, there's a lot of people that love her, but there's a lot of people, like, once again, that are very invested in tearing her down. And sometimes it gets to her and she claps back and then it turns into this whole thing. Yeah. But people were going to her and say, and kind of like questioning her about this relate, about her relationship. Like,
1: imagine. Imagine like the person you're in love with cheats on you and then you get like a hundred thousand people a day asking you about it.
0: And the other thing is that, you know, she, which was just she has said, she's like, she's like, I'm no angel myself. Yeah. So you guys don't know what's going on in our relationship. So yeah. don't project what you think is going on yes. when you have no idea what's going on onto yeah. our relationship. Which you know, fair enough. Yeah. So all this to say, like she took all of this all of this controversy that was going on in her personal life and put it into the music mm-hmm. and has this incredible song as a result, which yeah. is called Be Careful. And so this is like three, it's just three for three on lead singles. And there still was some concern because, you know, over the last few years with major label studio debuts, there's there's a, this issue that happens where sometimes you're trying to please too many masters yeah. and then you just end up with this kind of mess of an album that doesn't really serve anyone. It doesn't serve your your, yeah. your core fans. It doesn't, it doesn't really attack the, casual the fans. new fans, yeah. the casual fans, because they can kind of see through what's going on here. Yeah. And I feel like... Like, like a lot of the time, what a
1: record label will do is they'll put a song on with a... Uh, a regional feature from, like, every sort of regional radio. So you'll get, like, a Flo Rida song for Miami. You'll get, you know, a uh, future song for Atlanta. You'll get, you know, like, and, and like, you can see that with the, the albums that have been, like, that the, the, a record label has kind of destroyed where they've, like, oh, why is Trey songs on this Gucci main album? <laughs> you know? I mean, not yeah. that that's necessarily a bad song. But you yeah. see the, the, the point where that it's, like, well, Gucci, have you have you considered that there might be some like we've got this market of uh, tween girls that I think <laughs> could be really into you in uh, you know uh, Nebraska? Have you have you thought you know they really like you know so it's like when sometimes that ha- and and it was a feeling that maybe this could happen with Cardi.
0: Mm-hmm. But what ended up happening is honestly one of the best major label studio release uh, debut albums in in years, I would say, and it just it has a like. A litany of hits that all a, a lot of them sound pretty different. You know, there's uh, "She Bad," which features YG, mm-hmm. which we mentioned last week, is like you know just like an incredible twerk anthem. <laughs> uh, there's Head, which is samples the Three Six Mafia song mm-hmm. and is just another incredible rap song. Yeah. So it you know, "Money Bag," like just "I yeah. Do" with SZA. Yeah, like, "I Do" is like
1: probably my favorite record off of it. Yeah, really excellent song <laughs> oh, I haven't song. heard before.
0: And, you know, it, it doesn't follow, it's not like a, a debut album in the traditional sense, which I think is kind of leaving the the genre as we move towards streaming more, mm-hmm. uh, where it kind of, there's like, you know, a huge narrative arc and it ends in a certain place. It's an article, John Caramonica just wrote about this in the New York Times, but it's more just a, a grab bag of just almost like excellent singles, one after the other. It's
1: the pro- thing that I think a lot of artists should do that don't do, which is essentially just make an album of great songs like people who have done this jay-z or like ti with king you know when i think of like that why that's my favorite ti album it's just great song after great song after great song there's like it's funny because you would think with a record that is a pseudo soundtrack that it would have like a narrative arc to it but really what it is is just song after song after song that I want to hear and I feel like some people feel like they need to like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy it and like create this like narrative adventure but like if you're making a pop rap record just put hit after hit after hit and I will listen to it much more than I will if you say put eight skits in it like Tory Lanez did or something like that because you want to you have this like high idea of a of what an album is supposed to be. I feel like like wh- the timing of Cardi was such that it was like Nikki had kind of faded from a little bit. Her star had faded a little bit. You know, uh, not,
0: not necessarily commercially, but more in the in the rap, in the, 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 the hip hop world yeah. specifically.
1: And you know, people just needed another female rapper. Like we just need like we wanted like, not just another female rapper, another female megastar. Like, someone who is sort of in the conversation all the time because she's making good music, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and I, it was, like, I just think that the timing... Was so right for her to really explode, and, it, and it's it's like a funny to contrast her with Azalea Banks in that way because Azalea Banks was much was probably ahead of her time. She was kind of caught up in the tail end of when the music industry had no idea what it was doing. Still, mm-hmm. that that kind of post Napster record industry collapse, were gonna meddle and, and mess things up a lot. Versus now, where uh, Cardi, like yeah, Cardi was able to put out this this short, which mm-hmm. is good. Thirteen Not, songs not too many features, Mm -hmm. all the things that you really should do when putting out a record. She kind of followed the blueprint, um, which is just, you know, it's just so great. Thank you. Thank you, Cardi, for for doing that.
0: Mm -hmm. And so that brings us to this recent interview that Azealia Banks did with The Breakfast Club. And the interview starts off, I think, really well, where... I mean, Charlemagne and Azealia used to ha- had beef on several occasions where Sh- Charlemagne had given her a donkey of the day, but they talk about in the beginning of the interview how they've, they've cleared the, everything up and yeah. they have a mutual respect and a friendly, like jovial relationship, which was really sweet to see. Yeah, T- Azealia talks about a recent uh, shout-out that Nicki Minaj gave her when she was interviewed by Zayn Lowe on Beats 1, where she mm-hmm. was talking about loving Aze- uh, Nick- Azealia's new song, yeah. uh, Anna Wintar, and yeah, so it's It's, like, it's funny, because
1: Charlemagne, you know, Sometimes it's, he can be pretty upsetting. He can kind of do that like shock jock, like Howard Stern type of thing, mm-hmm. or uh, more accurately, like Star. Uh,
0: <laughs> Star, old hot 97. Uh, serious shock jock. Serious shock jock, who then was the Joe Budden replacement on uh, Everyday Struggle for a little while. No is Everyday is Struggle show. still on? I believe so, but Star is no longer with the show. As my friend, the comedian Nick Flanagan, star diehard fan, recently <laughs> informed me.
1: Wow, uh, Charlemagne, I thought did a great job in this interview with Azalea. With Azalea, yes, he did. He really did. I mean, I I know why a lot of people don't like him, but when he's on, he's one of the best interviewers yeah. to mm-hmm. me because he he asks people hard questions in a way that they ha- they can't. It's hard for them to dodge, uh, but it's not like confrontational which is kind of surprising because his other shtick is this like I don't give a fuck confrontational like you know
0: vulgar persona Mm -hmm. you know yeah I think I think that's the 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 thing that I've always liked about Charlemagne interviewing people is that he gets people in a position where he asks them the question that everyone wants to know mm-hmm. and they can't not answer him because yes. they know they'll look bad. Yes. And I feel like there's not enough of that in in hip hop. Yes. Like there's so it's, you know, it's it's such a, a place where at this point, most of the artists, the stage the radio stations, the blogs, the newspapers, the you know, the magazines, they need the artist more than the artist needs them now yes. that we have this kind of decentralized decentralized like music industry. Yeah. And the Breakfast Club is still one of those places. It's probably one of the few. I can't think of many other places or any other place, maybe even. In, the only in, thing that's comparable is like Zane Lowe, maybe. Yeah, it, but with Zane, I feel like you can be like, I'm not going to answer that, and that's, that's true. It, you that's know? true. And it doesn't really affect anything. Yeah. But with with on the Breakfast Club, if you say if you start acting kind of squirrely, yeah. you know, you'll be meme to death. Yes, you know? it's true. Like, yeah. So anyway, so then DJ Envy uh, brings up a. a something that Azealia Banks said about about Cardi B where she called her, I believe the quote was an illiterate rat. Um, So mean. uh, Yes. uh, And then, so then, which kind of kicks off this whole discussion and Azealia kind of, she doesn't back down from what she was saying. No, she doubles down. She doubles down. That's right. And it kind of, Derails the whole interview for for me like and yes, it kind of goes too. into this I, place I've, where Char Charlemagne mentioned she's he's like he's like see I wasn't gonna bring that up and yes. and Azealia says I knew you weren't gonna bring it up yeah and it just like and it's just the I don't know yeah. and then and then it kind of goes down this 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 rabbit hole wow. where Azealia recounts like what her issues are with Cardi B and she seems to blame a lot of the music industry's problems with black women on Cardi B and Cardi B's success. uh, It's sort of this almost like conspiracy theory that
1: it's like the record industry a couple years ago with like Lemonade had like elevated the status of like black women. And it was like this, it was sort of this like black excellence thing. uh, And that, the reason Cardi B is successful, basically what Isayla Banks is saying is that the reason Cardi B is successful is that she represents this like regressive caricature of a black woman. you know. Um, and I, you Which know, is a
0: completely, honestly, unfair uh, argument. So ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I mean, there's countless examples of other black women who are different from Cardi B who are also Hugely be- doing successful. Very, very well right yes. now. Um, SZA, Rhapsody, yeah. Beyonce. <laughs> like, yes. you know, it's... Yeah. You, Rihanna
1: doesn't even have to make music anymore. She is that popular. She could put out Fenty Q-Tips. They're going to sell out, like, the first day. <laughs> you know, like, like, like she... And, I know someone
0: it, who's in the queue for Fenty Q-Tips right now.
1: Yeah, exactly. And if, you know, Rihanna did release music right now, Rihanna should release
0: music well, right now. Well, working, she's working on her reggae-inspired album, so... Which would be... Which is exactly what the culture yes, needs. Right please, now. Uh, but you know, for me, I, I
1: really, really, really did not enjoy where the interview went there and what Azalea Banks is saying, uh, because to me, it's like like Cardi, she she's like clearly picked up on uh, something that Cardi feels a bit vulnerable about a bit sensitive about in a recent Which
0: is impugning impugning her for her spelling and ex- grammar.
1: grammar and stuff like that cardi you know this in, in sort of instagram posts and there's a recent gq article cardi feels like a a serious burden with her fame uh, related to how she speaks how she represents herself that she's like a role model she feels like she never sort of asked for this and you know that she's she as she Pointed out in her response, she speaks two languages, you know, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's it's kind it's like it's this sort of idea that her legitimacy as an artist doesn't exist. That that she her she's able to success because she's perpetuating ignorance, which just isn't true. It's not true. It's and it's so unfair because I, I feel like that's this she found this weakness that Cardi B has been public about, that she feels sensitive about how she speaks, how she writes, you know, she, she mentions how she tries to get her pronunciation of words perfect Mm -hmm. in when she's recording or when she's like interviewing and like, it's just like, it's just so mean to me. I I, I really, really did not enjoy that.
0: And then this kicked off an Instagram back and forth between the two of them. Um, and it, Cardi wrote like a really actually eloquent re- rebuttal to, to yeah. this. And then Azelia very mature. And then Azealia fired back at her and then Cardi B deleted her Instagram. Yeah. Somehow Tiana Taylor got involved <laughs> and it's just, I don't know, it just turned into this whole mess that honestly, it, it really takes away from what. Azealia Banks was doing. She just recently signed a new deal, a new record deal with uh, with mm-hmm. E like, uh, One, like a million dollar deal. She has this great song out, "Anna Wintour." Am I pronouncing that right? Wintour, Wintour, Wintour? Anna a Wintour. Yeah, okay. Wintour. Um, James is the high fashion one between the <laughs> two of us. You gotta have you, every every crew, every duo needs to have one as the high fashion dude and one's the regular dude, and I'm the regular dude. Yeah, it's um, true. It's, and, actually,
1: it's actually, we didn't talk about this in the intro to the first episode, but that was one of the things we had to make sure when we were, you know, first
0: becoming friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I think it's just like, I think this whole thing, uh, you know, I like when I think, look back on this, I'm almost like, DJ Envy, why did you have to ask that question? Because like, yeah. the interview was in a really positive place and then it just kind of like turned into this whole thing and it it just, it really takes away from what Azealia was kind of working back towards. You know, it's like, I, I really want there to be a proper redemption arc for Azealia Banks because I do think that she deserves it based on, mm-hmm. I mean, just on her talent and just like, just, I don't know. I think that she's had a rough go. She's had a rough go of it and she deserves to have the success that her, you know, her work s- supposes she should have, you know? Yeah. But I think that she kind of keeps getting caught in these same cycles and it's a lot of it's perpetuated by the media and a lot of it she perpetuates herself. And it's, it's really, it's a really destructive thing to see happen to someone. And it's, I don't know, it's just really uncomfortable for me to watch.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, to be honest, I found that in the interview before that, it, it was a little bit distressing how they were kind of, I thought they were pretty being pretty gentle about it, but being like, well, why do you say these things basically? And they were kind of like, you know, like, and she, she her response was, well, it's not my fault that they latch on to these things that I say. Why? Who cares what I say? What does it matter what I say? And it's yeah. like, Come on, that's a really,
0: really weak... That is a ridiculous argument. Yeah. uh, It's also not... I mean, it's like the way she was saying it, I'm like, it doesn't even feel like you believe that. Yes, exactly. You know, she's kind of being coy about it. Yeah. And she's like, the media doesn't have to listen to what I say. Yeah. You know, know, I have like, if I tweet something and my 10,000 followers see it, but then you say it on your radio show. There's a million people listening to it. Then they all latch onto that. And that's yeah. like, that's on you. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's on you for saying yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You know?
1: if, if you weren't saying it, there'd be nothing to latch on to.
0: Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah. I, I, well, here's, here, here's my, I mean, this is a completely unrealistic hope. Yeah. But I would love it if in like three or four months down the line, somehow they make up. Because, I mean, Azelea mentions that she did like Cardi B at some point. She yes. liked her music. Yeah. And... I would just love it if they would just like make up at some point. Yeah, and then just like I don't know, you don't even have to put out a song. Just make up. You know yes. what I mean? It would be, it would be. But also, you know, on on Cardi B's end, I would I would get it if she didn't want to forgive Azealia for these things because these insults are like, I mean, if there's anything that Azealia Banks is really good at, is is Thanks. it's insults. Yeah. I was talking earlier. I mentioned it to you guys because I was thinking about it. I just burst out laughing, and it was when Azealia Banks called T.I. a shoe shining coon during oh, her beef with Iggy Azalea. God. I was like, wow, that yeah. is. Next level. Yeah. Um,
1: That beef was uh, one of those times where it's like, oh, we can finally all get behind Azalea Banks. (laughs) You know, like, you know. I feel like she
0: was a big part of what kind of ushered Iggy Azalea out of here. Yes. Um, It's
1: kind of amazing that that we got that happened. It's like there is sometimes life gives you victories.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, that's it. Episode two. We're wrapping up now. Did it? Yes, another successful uh, podcast. Good job, James. Good job, Jordan. Um, so please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Like, honestly, we really want this to feel like a lot of the other things that we've done um, in Toronto and just in the internet at large, which is like creating this sense of community. And we want, and we genuinely mean this. So this podcast is as much yours as it is ours. So if you if you're not in the Facebook group, get on Facebook, search "Boosy Fade" the group, join the group, find this episode thread which will be pinned to the top, yeah, and leave a comment or if you have any questions or things that you want us to discuss next time, yeah. like let us know because we really want to hear from you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I think that there's like a lot of really insightful people in the group already. Probably some insightful people who will join that we would love to to have you included in the conversation.
0: Yeah, and honestly, like another thing is like just tell if you have a friend that likes hip hop, just let them know about this podcast because yeah. we 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 really this, you know, we this is going to grow because of you guys and because of word of mouth. So, yeah. we appreciate any and all help we can get.
1: Or you have friends who you feel like don't know about hip hop but want to learn in a safe environment. I feel like this podcast
0: is a good gateway for that, you know. I believe that too, James. Yes. Um so we uh, what else do we have to we we got to mention that uh this we we got a Boosie fade party yes which is in Toronto Ontario it's Canada like ten days from now isn't it's it ten is it it's a it's yeah the twenty fifth that's right
1: twenty fifth it'll be a week from when this from when this airs mm-hmm. so, uh, so yeah if yeah. you
0: haven't been to one of those I it's our four it's our four year anniversary the fourth anniversary yeah. of, of this the party that spawned the group and spawned this podcast if
1: if it was a if that party was a real person it would be going to like junior kindergarten. This year,
0: think about that. This is I, I won't think about that. <laughs> um, but thank you for mentioning. So yeah, we're gonna mention some songs that are gonna be on the constantly updating, the constantly updated uh, Spotify, Spotify Spotify playlist list. for catch up the podcast. Yeah. Um, so. My three songs are my four songs. My first song is "Chasing Time" by Azealia Banks, which is off of "Broke with Expensive Taste." And this the song was kind of created as her her fuck you to the label that's like we don't have any singles. Yeah, and it has this like this soaring chorus, incredible rapping, and you should absolutely watch the video because the dancing is like off the hook. I think it's a really great showcase of her just her multi-talented skills. Mm-hmm. Um, another song by Zilla Banks that I want to recommend is called The Big Big Beat, mm-hmm. which I think is from last year. And it's just like, you know, it's over a really like kind of like house influence uh, beat and has just like kind of some classic 90s New York roughneck raps, which once again, just her versatility. Uh, very mm-hmm. impressive. Uh, another song that I'm really into, I'll tell you a story, like in Toronto right now, the weather is really nice. And as soon as the weather gets nice, Uh, Queen Street gets lit up with people, Mm -hmm. Um, and I was walking down it the other day, and I was walking up on these two dudes who were kind of sitting on a bench outside of outside of a street or a store. And I don't, I didn't know these dudes, but I was walking up. This one guy's like, "Boosie Fade," (laughs) and I was like, "Yo, what's up, man?" He's like, "Yo, man," he's just kind of like shouting me out, talking about being like loving the group and loving the parties and just loving what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, "He's like, I actually manage a rapper." And usually, when someone says that, I'm I like, I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna have to listen to some <laughs> some terrible music. But I met the guy. This guy named C.K. is a super, super nice dude, mm-hmm. and he was like, he was like, man, he's like, I, I have my, music, like, my stuff is like really different. It's like really different from what's what's going on in Toronto right now. And that's something that a lot of people say. Yes. But then I did listen to the song, to one of his songs. It's called DVP, and it is different. It's yeah. a really kind of like you know some some good like like you know thug singing. And it's a it's a really like it's it's another it's a really it puts you it's a real mood piece mm. and that's the next song that I'm recommending. I think that you should all listen to it because I, fi- I think it's a really interesting lane, what he that he's established here. And um, Cardi and Playboy, who are you liking? I, you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna. I already have three songs. I have two by Azelia, uh, and I recommended a Cardi B song last week. So I'm just gonna leave it with a Playboy Cardi song, which is a song on his new album, Die Lit. Uh, it is Lean For Real, which features Skepta, and for me, is like one of the early standout tracks on that album for me.
1: Nice. Uh, So, I mean, my, Isabel Banks, I guess, is Anna Wintour, um, just because it's a great, vibrant single. Um, For Cardi B, I like the SZA featured, I Do. I really hope they plug that single because it is just made to be a hit. SZA's hook is really good. Mm -hmm. Um, For... Playboy Cardi, I think, um, R.I.P., which is like one of his featureless tracks, just kind of encapsulates what he does, I think, really, really well. A lot of that album does kind of flow really nicely together, and I think R.I.P. is just like a really great example of, of what he does. And my last song, my song that's sort of uh, what I've been listening to lately, song featuring the mentioned little baby, Gunna, sold out dates <laughs> shout out to mo
0: mo who uh,
1: we were djing the other night and he was he was like i i it was literally like i play the song like yeah but what about sold out
0: dates i think he requested it i think we played it th- at least three times yeah and he like maybe requested
1: it uh more than that
0: and the next the next, <laughs> the next, the next that night actually i think uh, around it was a 4 a.m last call that yeah. night at three thirty. i think he was leaving yeah and he and he he texted me and he said Niggas really treated sold-out dates like, oh, Canada tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Our new national anthem. Yes. It'll be on the playlist. Thank you for listening. Yeah, until Uh, next week. Is that all your songs?
1: I think that's all my songs. Okay.
0: Thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Until next week. uh, Stay safe.
1: Yeah, stay safe.